What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And on today's episode, it's a very special episode for Mr. Yinka Diz. Of course. We are, uh, we are doing the 25-year tribute for the sophomore album of Mob Deep, The Infamous, released April 25th, 1995. And this is one of the ones where, like... When Black on Both Sides was coming up, when Supreme mm-hmm. Clientele was coming up, I was very excited. Those are two of my favorite albums. Mm-hmm. This, I know, is definitely in your top five, is it not? Yeah. This is a very, very important episode. And, um, you know, we always have to emphasize that it's a sophomore LP because I think for the longest period of time, I did not realize that this was their sophomore LP. I thought that this, yeah. was, this was their debut. Yeah, I think, like, you know, even when, when they're interviewed, they kind of almost call you know their first album just like yeah like we just did some shit and then the infamous it's almost like a before the infamous after the infamous type of a deal similar to Wu-Tang Clan before 36 Chambers after 36 Chambers right I mean because Jizza had his words from the genius album that's true I think the RZA had I'm not sure if he had an entire album but he definitely had a few singles he had at least one so he had some projects before Wu-Tang but yeah 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 so, exactly. but yeah, but this is a this is a big one, and um, sh- I'm imagine there's going to be a lot of big tributes going on for it. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, was it the source tried to do a tribute for it and <laughs> fucked it up? Yeah, it was either the source or Double XL Mag online. One of them. But they, yeah, they had like a whole, you know, it's the 25 year anniversary on April 1st, um, and you know, as I said on our last episode, you know, yeah. basically, the, the there was an album called The Infamous Mob Deep. Which was the last right. album that that they put out as the mob as Mob Deep, and uh, that came out on April first, like two thousand, I don't know, fifteen or something, seventeen, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but you know, obviously, this is is the the April twenty fifth is the the actual twenty fifth anniversary of this this album. Well, let's just get right into it, Yinka. Where were yeah. you when this album was released? So when this album was released, I was, you know, we, we kind of talked about it on the podcast, right? Like I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't really know too much about any of this. I may have heard Shook Ones, possibly. Yeah. Um, you know, but if I heard it, it was probably on like some hip hop compilation or something like that. Okay. So where were you? So I was in sixth grade, Sangster Element, Elementary in, okay. in Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, this was at a time when, you know, I had my boombox at this point. I was listening okay. to things that I wanted to listen to, yeah. but I did not have that much access to music. I think the first real hip hop CD that I bought, like proudly bought, yeah. was either like Fuji's The Score or like Busta Rhymes The Coming. And right. those don't come around until 1996. Mm-hmm. I had managed somehow to buy Coolio It Takes a Thief, which I think came out in like 94. Okay. But you know I, I whatever i only listened to like a couple to- a couple songs on that album mm-hmm. and um you know at this time the two the two albums that i actually was really listening to mm-hmm. were crazy sexy cool from tlc i was allowed to buy that album <laughs> and the uh the soul for real album candy rain which mm-hmm. comes out i want to say in march of this same year 1995 so right. those were that's like the music that i was both listening to like and allowing to allowed to purchase right in terms of hip-hop things that were on the radio i mean i remember yeah. old dirty bastard had a few singles mm-hmm. you know he had brooklyn zoo shimmy shimmy y'all was a big one i remember that was on the radio all the time okay um 
you know, Biggie had Biggie had his hits, his remixes, whatever. He had his hits coming out. Uh, you had who else? Um, what about uh, Tupac's Dear Mama was out. You know? What about New York, New York? Wasn't that 95? Uh, Dog Pound? Uh, yeah, but that wasn't really on the ra- I don't remember that being on the radio. Oh, okay. You know, I remember that. I remember that, I remember that, that beat for sure. Like, when yeah. I go back and listen to New York, New York, it's like, oh, I definitely remember that beat for sure uh-huh. when it came out. Yeah. But I don't remember if I somehow, like, managed to you know steal the tv for a second and watch bet or mtv and catch right, something right. or if i heard it like it could have been like a sound bed when when uh-huh, tigger was uh-huh. talking or whatever so gotcha. you know that's kind of like my start of like kind of you know where this stuff was and so mm-hmm. shook ones i definitely remember the song mm-hmm. but um and survival of the fittest those were the two songs that i remember but i don't mm-hmm. i can't remember you know how much they were on the radio um i just remembered the songs but you know that was that was kind of it so i think that uh i'll go go ahead and transition to my where were you when i actually listened to this album my brother had gone off to west point and when you go off to college especially when you go off to the united states military academy there's a lot of things like you just can't bring with you kind of have to be like a minimalist Mm -hmm. and you can't bring all of this music with you Mm -hmm. and so my junior year in high school um that's when i'm on my own and my brother's entire like music collection is at home Mm -hmm. and this is at the time when you know i'm going back i'm i'm listening to biggie i'm listening to Nas. I'm finding out about all like the old school classics and of course Infamous Mob Deep, that's a classic album. So I'm yeah. listening to that. So it was probably around junior, senior year in high school when I went back to listen to this album. And yeah, I mean it was it was really, really amazing. Yeah. And it's it's interesting though, because I recognize that this is a better album than some of my favorite albums. For example, like Iron Man is like one of my favorite albums. This is a better album than Iron Man. I recognize that. But for right. whatever reason, and I recognized that at the time, that just how good it was. But for whatever reason, you know, as much as I do enjoy this album, I don't have to like go back and revisit it. Um, when I do go back and revisit it, I'm always pleased. I'm always happy because it is such a great album. But yeah. like, you know, other of my favorite albums, like I have to go back and like listen to them. And this is just not one of those albums for me, for whatever reason. And it's, it's not a criticism. It's just... It's just not. It's just not there for me. But I recognize yeah. just how brilliant it is. I mean, it's listening to it again today. It's damn near flawless. Man, oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I if I go back to my you know my actual you know coming in contact with this album, um, you know I talk a lot about this like kind of the source hip hop hits volume one you know compilation that I I, I listened to around the yeah. time when I really, really started to get into, into you know, hip-hop and, and, you know, kind of studying it. And I'm looking at it right now online, and this this joint came out in December 1997. Um, right. And I don't know what, what made me buy this album. I want to say I was probably such a big Bad Boy fan, and the first <laughs> song was Hypnotize. Yeah. And there were probably some other records on here that I wanted, so I just probably bought, just bought the whole thing. But, you know, I just kind of became a student of every individual song on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hell on Earth is on here. Yeah. And so I think, you I know, that, that was what made me become, you know, like this this Mob Deep fan. Like I heard Hell on Earth. And so then I went and got the album that Hell on Earth was on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I got it, I became, you know, 
I became kind of like like obsessed with it. Like I listened to it all the time, and yeah, you know, I start I start telling other other cats like, "Yo, like you know, like Mob Deep," and they're all like, "If you like that album, you should hear the the, the, the one before it." You know, if, yeah. if you like that album, you got to hear the Infamous. Everybody would say that you got to hear the Infamous. Like the people right. who who was the heads that knew, they was like, "Oh, you got to hear the Infamous." Then you know, it's way better. Like, okay, so you I know, have to hear this the Infamous album. I'm glad that you brought up Hell on Earth because, <laughs> you know. Here's here's the thing I just want to say to the listeners. Yeah. We get things wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we're talking about things from 20, 25 years ago. And, you know, the more you learn about memories, sometimes right, right. like sometimes like you misremember things or sometimes yep. you remember things that didn't even happen, but you <laughs> you create the memory. And But I do remember this, actually. Yeah. Uh, and, and you talking about Hell on, Hell on Earth is jogging my memory. That right. I want to say that that song is actually... When I first actually got serious about rhyming, uh-huh. so this would be like freshman, sophomore year in high school, mm-hmm. that Hell on Earth beat was one of the first beats that like I wrote like a lyric to. And it was mm-hmm. probably some garbage shit. I wasn't very good. Yeah. But um, yeah, I remember that beat. And so, because my brother mm-hmm. had that album. And in fact, I don't mm-hmm. really remember him playing the infamous um, mm-hmm. in the car or whatnot, but he did yeah. play uh what's the name of that oh shit what's the name of that that, that album that hell on earth is on is it called hell on earth i think it's called hell on earth right okay but we're but we're talking about the single hell on earth right yeah 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 and so um i remember like he used to play that album all the time and specifically right. that song hell on earth like he just had it on repeat and he's like yo andrew like this beat is awesome yeah and um it really was too and so uh-huh. yeah i think that was actually my first kind of cognizant understanding of who Mob Deep was was actually yeah. that same song as well and then funny. because because of that song uh-huh. then I went back and I but I didn't really actually like that album too much I just really really loved that mm. that song yeah. and then I went back to listen to the infamous and I was like holy shit like this yeah. is amazing I yeah. think for me so so funny story even on the, on that hell on earth thing um I joke a lot about you know shout out to Peter Quisgard and you know the, the the whole cool edit thing, right? Like, right. I think a lot of us who who became producers um, in this time frame, you know, we had cracked versions of cool edit, and we were making beats. Literally, the first record that I ever, the first, I guess you could call it a quote unquote beat that I ever made was me sampling the first four bars of of Hell on Earth because yeah. it had an open loop, cutting it and turning it into a loop and just playing it over and over and over again. Like that was my first time ever making a quote unquote beat was just me looping that so I could try to rap over it. So, um, so yeah, Hell on Earth that was, I'll go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that loop, that loop is incredible. Yeah, exactly. It's so simple, but it's just. It's so simple, yeah. but it's like, it's kind of so dark. Yes. And just like the way they rap is just so, kind of like just chilling. Like it's like mm-hmm. some reality shit where it's just like, chilling and then and then i got into the album and you know the scarface samples and yeah. you know just like i mean it was just there's just something about mob deep like that it, it's just a them thing and i think you yeah. know again you know we we talk about like think pieces of music that meet you where you are yeah um and i think just them kind of giving you like this kind of reality rap of i think like my age range was you know where you get to that point where you know, you go from being like a like a a mama's boy or a kid who you know is like, you know, just like a regular kid to like, you know, going and being out on the playground and spending way too much time out, you know, and and getting in fights and you know cutting class and doing whatever, 
And I just feel like the, you know, what they were talking about for whatever reason, you know, to me paralleled what I was experiencing. And so I just really like gravitated to what they were talking about and what, what you know, what was going on in their music. Um, and I think, you know, then obviously, right, like I said, everybody said, oh, well, then you got to hear the infamous. Oh, well, then you got to yeah. hear the infamous. And then I finally heard the infamous and, you know, Shook Ones was a record that I had obviously heard before. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was familiar, but like it was my first time really just like sitting with it. And I think that's a record that I just played over and over oh, yeah. and over again. Just I just yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't understand why it was so good. It's because you know, it is a flawless piece of music. Like there, like there's certain records. Yeah, there's certain records. Like Hypnotize is actually another one um, that that I I had. You know, this it had this impact on me where like I was almost mesmerized by it. Like it, it yeah. was it was such a perfect. It was so perfect and so perfectly put together that I just I, I had to. I, I almost was just studying it by listening to it over and over again. And that that's what oh, shook really? ones was for me. And so yeah. Shook Ones obviously endeared me to, to there's no piece of music on Hell, the Hell on Earth album that is as good as Shook Ones, right? No. Like Shook, Shook Ones is a flawless piece of music. Yes. It's one of the greatest songs. I think you said this. It's one yes. of the greatest songs ever created in Across any genre. any genre. It's amazing. Right. And so yes. I just, I, I listened to it so much that I just, I had to listen to the rest of the album. And, you know, I, this album, like, I, I don't know, it just became something for me that is like a period piece for that period so you know we're talking like you know if this album if this hip-hop hits came out in 97 we're talking probably early 98 okay. um where i'm like i become this huge mob deep fan and it carries into 99 where you know we talked about the murder music murder album, music and, right and so by the time murder music came around i was already this big mob deep fan and so like yeah. i said on that episode that was the first album that they released where i was already a mob deep fan and i was able right, right, to right. experience it like when it came out yeah i feel you well let's just go into the critical reception and you know this is this is not one of those albums where like people slept on it and years later it came back to say oh no it was it was great it's like uh -huh. no this was a very highly praised album when it came out um right. it's got high marks all across the board i think the source gave it a four and a half out of five and went back to give it a five anyway um but i mean like that's as low as it gets like yeah. this has like flawless marks across the board um I, I think that a lot of people probably recognize that it was an instant classic when it came out. And that's what's up. I think um, I think one of the records on here was also um, on a, a soundtrack, if I'm not mistaken. I don't so remember I think, which one that would have been. Yeah. So I think I think like you know, like you said, like this, you know, it had it had the right players on board. Um, it's interesting, you know, we 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 don't really talk about Juvenile Hell, right? Which is for no. for folks that don't know that, which is the name of their first album. Yeah. But Juvenile Hell is actually a much more star-studded album when it comes to the production, right? Yes, like you got it is. you got yeah. pretty much Premier's all the on niggas there. that made beats on Large Illmatic. Professors on there. Right. Everybody who yeah. made beats on Illmatic made beats yeah. on Juvenile Hell, but it just it, it isn't this. So it's interesting that they kind of go to a more minimal, you know, cast of characters and make well, something that's so iconic. Kudos to the both of them being stubborn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I Obviously, I don't I don't know them as much as you. I don't know them as well as you do in terms of artistically, but I I am pretty confident that the two of them are pretty stubborn when it yeah. comes to their shit. Yeah. And I think that when Juvenile Hell came out, they were kind of just 
they kind of let the label direct them to what mm -hmm. they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And they're like, look, we just want to have like a video out. We want to be on TV. We want to have a, a single, all this, that, and the other. Right. And, you know, it wasn't successful. They got dropped from the label. Yeah. And when they got signed to Loud, which mm -hmm. it's, it's funny, from my, my understanding is Loud was trying to, uh, to sign another group because of the success of Wu-Tang, right? Mm -hmm. And like, so they get mobbed deep. And if you okay. think that like, if you think the Wu-Tang is hardcore and gritty, Mob Deep is like another step, like <laughs> under that. Like you thought yeah. like Wu-Tang was just like underground. Yeah. No, like Mob Deep said, no, we can take it even even further down right. and get and, even more raw. And the other and, crazy thing about that, right, that you're saying, which is 100% true, is that yeah. they were kids. Yeah. And so I think people, yeah. people kind of take away. They were like 19 or 20, I think, when Juvenile Hell came out. Nah, they were like 17 with Juvenile were they? Hell. They were like they were 19 really when this when this came out. Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, a, a lot of, you know, Matt Light and all these cats that were around talk about how, you know, these are kids and they're rapping yeah. about this chilling street shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also, like, like you said, you know, with Juvenile Hell, they say that, you know, they kind of came in and they didn't really take it seriously. Right. Like a lot of people talk about, you know, kind of getting this record deal and feeling like you already hit the finish line. And so you're already there. And so mm -hmm. they kind of talk about how they got a record deal and, you know, they made the album and they're like, okay, yeah, you know, well, let's get all the producers in that are supposed to make hits. We'll come in, we'll fuck around, we'll, we'll rap, we'll leave, you know, we're, we're, we're celebrities already type of a deal. Mm -hmm. And then when they got dropped, they took it seriously in a different way. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stories about how when they worked on this album, essentially, you know, the their A&R talked about how like, they were one of the only groups and the only other person they named was uh was pete rock they said pete rock and seal smooth were similar here where they needed no a and ring because they didn't you know you didn't have to worry about like with a lot of a rs the job is like you know them running and and trying to 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 corral these dudes and get them to get in the studio and tell them what records to rap on and etc but like with them they said you know these dudes would just stay in the studio all the yeah. time and yeah. just basically just drink 40s and eat Chinese food and work on their music. And, yeah. you know, their, their A&R said he would just basically just come in and check on them every once in a while. Yo, y'all good? Y'all need anything? All right, cool. And peace, because everything they played him was some hot shit. You know what I mean? You, you know what, though? It reminds me of back when I was in college, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, I'm, you know, 19, 20, 21, trying to make beats or whatever with my friends. And I remember, like... Mm -hmm. You know, the few of us who were actually motivated to make music, like it yeah. didn't take much corralling to get us to like flip beats and yeah. work on music. You yeah. know, like we we were learning and mm. that's a very critical age for any person, that's any human point. being. Like that's yeah. a very critical learning age where you're just hungry. Yeah. And I know Havoc in particular, we talked about this in previous episodes, how Prodigy mm. was actually the one who started out making beats. Right. And Havoc was like so fascinated by the product by the whole process that he would just be stuck in there. Mm -hmm. And so I think you have several different things happening at once, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, you have the the failure of Juvenile Hell, mm -hmm. the kind of wake up call for that, yep. the yep. second chance, if you will. But now you still have these two kids who are learning and they're yeah. at a critical age where they just like, they're just hungry to keep like doing things and trying things. And so yep. they're just stuck in the studio. Yep. Then you pull in a, a, put in a mentor like Q-Tip who's already gone right, through that. Right. Someone who, who they look up to, right. but someone who has respect for them as well. And it's just like this, 
this thing where it's like, of course, all they're going to be doing is just stuck in the studio doing work. Like, yep. I get it. It makes sense. Yeah. You know? And, and I, I think mean, as a result, we have one of the the best hip hop albums. Uh, facts. Easily top 10, facts. in my opinion. Oh, it's, um, it's, this is such an amazing album. Yeah. And I, I mean, so, I didn't know or I, I don't I don't know that, you know, you hold it in such high regard as I do. But like, this album it's is just, damn near it's just perfect, not, bro. It's not my... It's not one of my favorites. It's probably... Yeah. In, in terms of in terms of my like personal like hip hop albums, it's pro it's definitely in my top twenty five. But it's yeah. like it's not my top five, even yeah. though I recognize it's better than albums that are in my top five. Like, yeah. well, actually, mm, I'm not sure because I has uh, it's definitely better than albums <laughs> that are in my top ten yeah. for sure. Yeah, but it is not in my personal top ten. Word. But I but I recognize that it's I, I I get it. This album's amazing. So why don't you take us yeah. to your your your, uh, your your highlights? Well, let's start off with lowlights if we okay. have any. Okay. Do you do you have any? Man, if if I had to name one lowlight, which I mean, and I'm I'm really just doing it because I, I wanna I wanna participate here in the segment. Um, right. <laughs> it would be Q U hectic, I guess. Really interesting. Okay. And and I, it's not even a lowlight. It's just you know, if I had to choose a record that was my least favorite record on here, I would probably choose that one. But okay. I mean, it's really just me trying to participate again. So mm -hmm. I don't have any lowlights that I can give in this segment. But there might be, okay. when we talk about the highlights, there might be some individual things that I might point out as like, yeah, that's like a little bit of a lowlight, but it's right. not worth me discussing in this entire segment. And okay. so while we're still talking about QU Hectic, mm -hmm. this is actually a highlight for me. And it's not that okay. the individual song so much as a highlight. Mm -hmm. It's just that I think songs like QU Hectic are why this album is so good. Oh, for We've sure. We talked about this before, mm -hmm. how every single album has filler tracks. Mm -hmm. So for example, I'll talk about this again. Ghostface Killer, Iron Man, right? Mm -hmm. Brilliant album. A song like Box and Hand mm -hmm. might be like a filler track. It's an amazing filler track, but right. it's still filler. Right. It's not like, you know, it's not like Daytona 500 or Fish or um, All That I Got Is You, you know, like those right. are the songs that like really tie the album together, but like, or those are the standout songs on the album, but you right. need the filler tracks to really tie the album together. Right. And the filler on this album is really good. And Q yeah. Hectic to me, is a filler track right but like it helps tie the album together For like sure. this is like this is like the glue that helps all those other songs be even better yeah you know what i mean like yeah so that's me like so something that might be a low light to you mm. is actually a highlight to me i think that mm. if i did of these kind of filler tracks the only one that's kind of a low light to me mm. might be party over but it works because it's the, like the last track on the album so yeah. that doesn't even really count I love that song. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. And and Q U Hectic, you know, back to what you're saying, I think you're right in in that it's very cinematic. Right. I hear that record as a record like that you would put on like a Sunset Park or like like the soundtrack okay. to like a movie like, you know, that's about life in New York. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I in my mind it takes me to the place that they, you know, they they're narrating about. Uh, so I definitely agree. I don't think it's a bad song at all. I'm just trying to <laughs> participate. No, I, I got you. I mean, the, the, to me, the other filler tracks mm -hmm. um, or tracks that I would consider filler would be something like Up North Trip, which is another <laughs> that, really good song. That might be um, it's song. not one of the standout tracks on the album, but it's mm -hmm. like 
it's a necessary song. You need that. And they're actually talking about like important shit. It's actually um, a standout song to me. For you? Okay. Yeah. All right. It's not a standout song to me, but <laughs> yeah. that's but that's fine though. That's yeah. fine. And then I would even say something like, you know, Cradle to the Grave. Uh-huh. Um uh, an amazing so name. Like I think it is kind of a filler track, but it's a really good filler track. Right. And so to me, like these songs that are not, I th- to me, are not standout tracks, mm-hmm. but are still like good in their own merit. Like that's what that's what makes this album so good. Um, so th- that's some of kind of like the preliminary highlights. Um, the main highlight I'm going to say before we even talk about individual tracks if we can mm-hmm. I mean and you're going to talk about this as well so we could talk about this at the same time but Q-Tip yeah. you know what I mean just yeah. the mentorship and the guidance of Q-Tip mm-hmm. and you know his willingness to invest his time his creative input into this project yeah. their willingness to learn yeah. from a mentor from a, a, a Queen's legend yeah. you know what I mean and allow him to improve their sound. Yeah. I mean, because they, you know, it's, it's interesting. You talk to Q-Tip about this and he says, oh, you know, Havoc was kind of the general. You talk to them and they're like, yo, I mean, you could call him an executive producer. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, and, you know, I think that um, Q-Tip's, you know, footprints are all over this album. Yeah. And uh, I know that you've talked about this before. You should probably get into a little bit more about, you know, at least your take on Q-Tip's input for this album. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we talked a little bit about this when we talked about the, um, you know, we had the the RZA versus Primo conversation, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we talked about drums in this time right. frame. And to me, the EQing of the drums on this album are something that makes this album amazing. Yeah. And if the drums were different, I, I believe, and I, I, it could be my brain remaking history, but I believe I heard an original version of one of the records that um, that was supposed to be on here prior to okay. uh, Q-Tip getting his hands on it. Yeah. And I mean, the drums were so different. And okay. I mean, the drums in this uh, on this record really add the bite that like really paints the pictures For that sure. they're trying to to give us here. Um, we talked about Up North Trip. Uh, you know, you kind of talked about it as filler. I think the reason the song resonates so much with me is actually the drums. And I think okay. that if if the drums were different and it was just that sample, which is also my favorite sample on this album. Really? But, um, dun, Interesting. Dun, okay. dun, 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 with the, with okay. the filtered bass line. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, if, if the drums were different, I don't think that that song would hit me the same way that it does. And, um, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Q-Tip's just his, you know, the time that Q-Tip spent with Bob Power, you know, you can tell, like, he got to a point where, you know, we're working on Low End and uh, and and Midnight Marauders to where he just really, really understands like yeah. just space and just mixing and just everything. And it, it, it comes out so perfectly on this album. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. So, yeah, Q-Tip's uh, definitely a highlight. So getting into some individual tracks and uh, I'll just talk about some highlights from me because I don't want to steal all the all the shine from you. And of course, we could talk mm-hmm. about this. You know, we can you can give your input on these songs as I mentioned them out. But exactly. when I decided to listen to this album this morning, the first track that I went to was uh, was right back at you. Yeah. And um, man, this beat is uh, this song is just dope. And obviously, I think the reason why I, I went to this one is because yeah. 
this is the one that's most reminiscent of RZA to me. You know, he's my favorite producer. Definitely. I talk about this every Definitely. single episode. If you told me but, RZA produced this, I'd have been like, yeah, that makes you, sense. Yes, exactly. And so you <laughs> got you got Ghostface Killer and Raekwon right. uh, showing the hip hop world why they're such a good lyrical duo. Um, they make so much sense on this track. Follows up with Big Noid, it's okay. But I mean, like yeah. this this beat, this song is just such a like, I was like, oh, like, oh, the infamous. Oh, I could, I could start at the beginning, but no, nah, let me, <laughs> let me start it right back at you. I love that oh, sample man. too. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely, that's definitely a really, really big highlight for me. Shout out to Scott Free too. Scott Free was, uh, was, you know, Scott Free. No, I don't. He and would on this project. Memory. He's the guy who, who low-key, quote-unquote, discovered Biggie, right? He was the guy who took Biggie's tape and put him in unsigned Oh, hype. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah So yeah, Scott yeah. Free is, is definitely part of hip-hop history. He's somebody who got a lot of cats on unsigned hype. I actually think he's even the person who got Mob Deep on unsigned hype before they were called Mob Deep. Uh, when they were poetical prophets, he was—I think—he was the one who brought their tape. So, and he gets a production credit on this. So, shout out to him. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, the next big highlight for me, and this is a big one. Um, you know, we talk about Shook One's Part Two, mm-hmm. and how like that's obviously the rem- that's obviously like the big single on here. But yeah. I think the song that when I went to listen to this album, like you know, when I was like a junior, senior, whatever it was, mm-hmm. the song that excited me the most back then was Survival of the Fittest. Oh, there is so something crazy. about this beat. And especially like when you hear how it's made from the sample. Like you can listen to the sample and you can be like, oh like I recognize those notes. Yeah. But I'm like, how you would ever think to put to put the beat together that he did from that <laughs> sample is yes. like like what were you thinking? Yeah. when you when you made this and i know it's a very simple it's a very simple loop mm-hmm. and i get that but i'm like you know those notes don't come like back to back like that yeah. like you have to you have to literally select every single every single note chop it up and put it into an npc and just like mm-hmm. fuck around with shit until you get a combination that you like yeah and the combination that he gets for this song mm-hmm. is just really really good it's just such a man this song is amazing and i love the way the song uh starts out you know prodigy's flow is very like unorthodox he's not even like rhyming half of the time right it doesn't matter it just works yeah. it's dope and I think that, you know, we could talk about Shook Ones all we want, but like I mean, there's something about this song is just like, it's just like, this just screams Mob D to me. Yeah. And so it just screams Havoc. Like this is Havoc at, at his best. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and I love the way that it comes in. I mean, you have like the intro to the album, you know, the, the start of your ending. And then, you know, that's obviously a, a really, really good, good beat setting the tone, especially when you come into to, to Prodigy's little two or three minute interview <laughs> where he's just t- talking shit. Right. But um, to, to hit you with Survival of the Fittest right after that, it's kind of like, oh, like this is actually like the start of a really, really good run of music that you're just going to sit back and enjoy. And this song is like setting the tone for that. And yeah. it's, it's crazy, like the way this album is sequenced. If you think about like, all right, start of your ending is an official intro. Party over is an official outro. Yep. But like everything in between that is like like your run of music. Mm-hmm. You're basically starting from survival of the fitness and ending with ship ones. And everything in between is it's just amazing. like is is really, really dope. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So survival of the fitness for me. And then the last one I would have to say is uh give up the goods. And the reason why I have to say give up the goods is because, you know, around this time when I'm listening to this album, 
Um, I guess it would actually be before I was listening to this album. Funkmaster Flex hits us with Funkmaster Flex Volume 3, which in my the opinion... final chapter. Yes, which it probably should have been the final chapter. In my opinion, it was yeah, the best of his mixes. I mean, he's got yep. he's got some other standouts on, on Volume 1 and Volume 2, mm-hmm. but like Volume 3 from like start to finish yep. is, 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 is an amazing, yep. amazing, amazing piece of music. And DMX has this dope-ass... Dope Niggas ass getting trampled on. What's uh, all the fuss about? about? He uses the beat for Give Up the Goods. And that was my first time hearing that beat. Okay. So then when I go back and I listen to this record and I can't, it's like, oh, this is where he got that from. Like, right. I like the song even more. Right, um, right. And of course, like, you know, I was reading some backstory on this. And LL Cool J used aspects of this beat when he did, like, I think it was like Pink Cookies and the Plastic uh-huh. Bag. Basically the talking about sex. Um, yeah. Right, right. What was he talking about? Like, I guess Pink cookies is pussy and plastic bag is a condom is that what that is that's my guess i don't know i i whatever he's talking about but um they were talking about how uh, they were in the studio no they were in they were in q-tip's crib okay and q-tip had the original record that, that was sampled on and um he was just like yo like let me just throw some shit together real quick he comes up with this beat they're like yo we need to throw some hardcore shit on that and so of course you know they take it and that's how they come up with the song so that definitely to me is uh that's definitely a highlight so i don't yeah. want to steal too much of your shine uh, you could talk about this song and then go into your go into your highlights yeah i mean i don't really have too much more to say i similar to you you know like i i, I think e- either I, I encountered the funk master flex freestyle at the same time or beforehand so mm-hmm. I definitely was, it drew me to this song a lot more. And obviously I love DMX um, and, and love right. that DMX freestyle. Um, so a couple other highlights here, overarching highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make Havoc a highlight. Um, right. and, and the reason is because, you know, and we kind of talked about this with, uh, with Outkast, I think. We talked about this with a few other groups. I think this was a period of time where Havoc almost was outer body. In, in, on this album right in that y- you don't really realize how much better prodigy is than havoc so much on this <laughs> album yeah like he it, like havoc has great verses on this album and he yeah, keeps he up with prodigy and prodigy to me is, a, is an elite level talent so you know I, to keep up with him is, is is saying a lot um and so you know havoc really did his thing on this album on an album where i mean this is like prodigy coming into his own and becoming the prodigy that we all mm-hmm. know and love um, so Havoc, Prodigy on these skits. <laughs> Yo, these skits, these skits are, are are the greatest shit ever. And my favorite, my favorite shit will forever be. I'm about to get on some old high school shit and start punching niggas in their face just for living. Yo, that's literally the illest shit anybody's ever said. And he also he also disses uh disses Outcast on that on that um that skit which is is, is oh, funny space shit whatever yeah an old spaceship yeah. shit whatever uh so that was funny but um yeah I, I thought the skits were great even the ones you know where um you know like like Noid freestyling for example um yeah I think it was really dope just from the perspective of you know they set the tone of this is just me and my boys and we're chilling around the projects and so you know yeah. my man drops in and he starts telling you about this bullshit he's going through he just came from court you know he he's he's fighting a couple cases we hope he gets off somebody just passed away etc like yeah. they they did a great job of just like weaving together all these tales that they're telling us on their songs with these skits yeah. so i thought the skits were really dope um i thought so, i thought big noise sounded better in his prelude than he did 
and the font one coming after that. So give up the goods. Uh, agree. Big Noid has the final verse on that, and Big his Noid. just what up, cousins. His just up prelude, like his verse on that, was better than the the one he provided for the song. But, I agree. I like yeah. him. I like him in skits better. I've never been a big a big Noid fan, and you know right. I've gotten killed by by the homies like who who really love Noid and and really feel his authenticity. I'm not the hugest fan of him, but I I think he was good on on this project, and particularly like you said that skit. I thought he was really good. Yeah. Um. So temperatures rising. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll call it a highlight because it's it's so it's such a confusing song to me. Okay. In that, um, I love I love how like niggas try to give us a girl song kind of, but then like it's just not a girl song at all. Oh yeah yeah. You know yeah. like like yeah, I feel yeah. like back then you kind of had to have a joint with a girl on the hook, you know, etc. Yeah. But this is like the grittiest shit ever that they're oh, talking course. about on this. Track. Yeah, they're not talking about any girl shit on at this Oh <laughs> yeah. And I love how like just their girl records are some like, yo, I was about to smash this shorty and then like I got set up and then these motherfuckers tied me up and like robbed me. <laughs> just, I love like I love like how they're not even they don't even have a, at this point in their career. They don't even have a commercial gear. Like, right. like they're incapable of trying to do it. And I and I remember when they did try to do it, and I think it turned everybody off to Mob Deep. When they started yeah. to do like Hey Love with 112, and you know, yeah. even the, um what was the record? Um what was the other record on that on that album that was a single that uh that later was covered by the dude from the wire? Um Burn. Oh yeah, I love Burn though. Yeah, 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 no, but like that album was the first time they like really tried to actually give oh, us like yeah, pop, yeah, like yeah. pop records, you know. And it was just like, wait, what? What are you doing? But like, uh, I like that. Like at this point in time, the temperatures rising is like a single with like a, a singer on it. That yeah. makes me laugh a little bit. So yeah, uh, definitely like temperatures rising. Love the sample, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, love up north trip. We talked about okay. that a, a little bit. Love Trife Life. Like this little yeah. section of the album. I mean, I love everything on there. I like so, Cradle to the Grave. Oh, ahead. you did? I mean, look, Cradle to the Grave is not a it's, it's not a bad song. I just think it's it's not to me it's not a highlight on the album. Yeah. But um I going to Trife Life, one of the things I love about this song so much is kind of like the dichotomy between like the person who could potentially get jacked and the person who is jacking. So like mm-hmm. the way it starts off is you know, and I I don't think these two stories are related. You know, yeah. um, Prodigy's telling his story, Havoc is telling his own story. Right. But uh, I love the I love I love Prodigy's story. You know, a girl hits him up from back in the day, and his <laughs> dick is telling him to do one thing, but his mind is like, man, yeah. I'm not sure this is a good idea. Right. So let me bring my whole army with me just to go get some pussy. <laughs> and then uh, the whole entire time, like he's just nervous and anxious and like yeah. and paranoid, and nothing happens because you know they they end up fleeing the scene. Right. But. Uh, it's just the story is so funny to me uh, yeah. because it's like the whole entire time he thinks it's a setup and he's trying to go through it anyway. It's just <laughs> but he like, does it anyway. Right? Yeah, and that that is such like a young nigga thing to do. Yes, it really is. It's like man, yeah. I think something can go down, but fuck it. Like I want to get, some, uh, you know, I think yeah. I might get some pussy. Like you just talk <laughs> about the, the 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 wire, right? Like yep. even uh, even even Marlo almost gets set set up, and Marlo, yeah. you know, he ends up he ends up it's killing her, right? Right. But he's like. Hmm, I kind of want some pussy, but I don't <laughs> trust this chick. So, yeah. like, why don't you scope her out for me? Right. And um, but then, but then on the flip side of that, 
Havoc's verse, he's actually the one doing the jacking right. when the dude is up with his with with his girl. Right. And it's like, oh, you know, you're you're in there getting it, and he's like, oh, we're sticking you up this, that, and the other. And I was like, oh, I kind of like the way that they're they're playing that. So like on one yeah. hand, it's like they're trying to avoid the situation, but then on the other hand. They gonna be the ones giving you the situation, so I don't know. I I, I kind of like I kind of like. How yeah, I think that that's actually really you know really dope to talk about. Just the fact that like they talk about this in such a cavalier, you know, this yeah. type of shit happens every day type of a thing. To where it's like, like you said, like these are the breaks. Like first right. it was about to be me, but then next I was the one. Like so it's right. like, you know, like. I'm not mad at these people for setting me up. This is what they do because this is what I do. And I mean, they talk about like and sticking up, stick up kids. Like, you know, they got stick up anthems on here. Um, yeah. I think honestly, that whole line of of discussion with, and we talked about this before, but like the whole, you know, kind of going into somebody else's neighborhood to talk to a girl shit yeah. is some of the realest shit ever. And, yeah. you know, I've talked about it from the perspective of, of, you know, seeing things, but like, I can't imagine living in a place like New York that's so densely populated where yeah. you, you live in one building and your enemy might be in the next building. So yeah. it's like, you know, like these forces are just that close where literally you could be walking across the street and it and it's you know a, a, a totally different you know situation i feel like you know in california you got like the rolling 20s right like a number of blocks where everybody's in the same gang and then you you you, you switch over and you go to another set of blocks and those blocks are a different gang you know what i mean so it's yeah. like you know when you're out of bounds and it's not your enemy isn't in your backyard for most of the time. I mean, in some yeah. cases they, they are, but uh, you know, it's crazy. Like just these stories of just, you know, you live in one housing project and the, the next housing project over is, you know, your enemies. And so I, I just think that it's really dope that they kind of put that in here. Cause I think it, it gives an additional kind of authenticity to, to what they're talking about. Yeah. And it also, I think humanizes them a little bit in that, you know, like, they have so many records that are just about how hard they are and how ill they are, how tough they are, and they, all this tough shit that they're doing. But at the same time, like, they're still humans that need human interaction. And so, you yeah. know, like them trying to go spend time with a with a chick, you know, whether, <laughs> regardless of how crude, you know, this quote unquote spend time shit is, I think it still humanizes them in a way. Yeah. Cradle to the Grave, I think I okay. mentioned. And yeah. then I will go ahead and say that uh, a highlight and low light, right? I'll call it a meh light, which I've done before, is Q-tip on Drink Away the Pain, right? Why is that? And, and, and this, it's, always, it's it, this always perplexed me, right? Like like yeah. early on as a as a young guy listening to this shit and, and not it from the perspective of reading about it or hearing adults talk about it, but I'm just a kid and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this. It was a head scratcher to me that they're all talking about alcohol and then Q-Tip gets on here and he starts fucking talking about Tommy Hilfiger and you're just like, wait, what? It's so perplexing from the perspective of, I love that he keeps it him, but yeah. then also I'm just like, then why didn't you just not do the verse? But anyway, you can go ahead and True. explain why, you know, from well, his perspective why he did it. So he does make the beat um, right. for one, but right. my understanding is that the song was just about addiction. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I guess neither of them were, were using like hard drugs at the time. Um, maybe they were smoking weed. I don't know. But they were definitely into to drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, Mob Deep could have been an early sponsor for Hennessy if that was a thing back then. Yeah, they drank <laughs> um, E&J like it was like water, yeah. apparently. Ugh, that irk and jerk. <laughs> but, um, so they're talking, to, they're talking about addiction. And, mm-hmm. you know, Q-tips, I guess, addiction at the time was, was, was clothing labels. Or at least that's what yeah. he, how he was feeling. I feel you that when yeah. I first heard the record, it did seem kind of off. I was like, I had the same reaction that you did. But as yeah. I listen to it now, it doesn't bother me as much. So I heard someone say about Teddy Riley, and sorry to go back to Teddy Riley, because y'all don't know that we had a whole conversation about Teddy Riley, and then, <laughs> and then it didn't work. But we'll talk about that later. But uh, somebody, somebody on the internet said, Teddy Riley missed what the assignment was. Like, he missed what the yeah. assignment was about. And I feel yeah. like to some degree, like, you know, while it's dope that Q-Tep kept it to himself, the song is yeah. not called What's Your Addiction? The song this is, is called Drink Away the Drink Pain. Drink Away the Pain. And Q-Tip yeah. is talking about clothes. So, I yeah. mean, while it's cool That's that fair. he kept it to That's his fair. shit and he, he he's not a drinker, so or he wasn't a drinker at the time or he didn't want to talk about that. It still was kind of a little bit of a head scratcher to me that on Drink Away the Pain, he was talking about clothes. But uh, so it's a male light from that perspective for me. Um, okay. And then uh, Party is Over is a highlight for me. Okay. Um, we talked about Shook Ones and we can talk about Shook Ones forever. So I'm not even going to touch it because it's, it's so amazing. But, uh, but Party is Over, I love. And um, it's a record that, you know, throughout the years, I would end on a- as a DJ. Like I would just throw it on. Because, really? Yeah, okay. because of the fact that a lot of times... and. <laughs> And you 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 know this this grind or I I think you might know this grind but there's a grind of like when you throw a party and it's a good party people don't want to fucking leave and yeah. so you turn the lights on and everybody's still dancing so party's yeah. over is a record that is it's not like a club banger the chicks ain't twerking no. to it nothing it's literally a record that says exactly what I want it to say the party's over tell the rest of the That's crew fair. tell your mans and them fair. to get the fuck out of here so we can clean up these chairs and tables yeah. and speakers and go home so like I play party's over as we're turning on the lights to tell everybody like we want y'all to go home stop dancing leave uh so yeah i just love that this record because um again you know we talked about it on on the the prodigy episode but like you know a lot of times back then even on the tupac episode we talked about you get these records where it's like they want to shout out their yo shout out to my man this shout out to my man that you know what's up to these people you know and like doing it in such a way that isn't annoying and doesn't make you skip it um, I think Party's Over is like the perfect record where it's like, they're telling us it's over. It's it, We feel like we're a part of it because it's like, tell the rest of your crew. We Everybody's been yeah. at a party where, you know, it's like, yo, 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 let's leave, let's leave now type of a deal. But then at the same time, they get all their shout outs on. You get a little rap verse in there, you know, the whole nine. So I really like that record. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to add to that. I will say, though, that for the longest time, my party over song was um is it tell him from lauren hill miss education lauren hill oh yeah you did say that yeah 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 i used to play that a lot of the times when i was ending parties was like yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, uh, this is the last track yeah. man i'll so. never forget actually this is this is a tan- super tangential but i'll never forget so we used to we used to throw these parties and you know you know college and at the time this is the little john era and so yeah. it, it got to a point where after a certain time, they told us we couldn't play like these big 
Little John records anymore because niggas would fight. Of course. Right? So it's like, you know, you play Head Bussa or you play, you know, if you don't give a damn or whatever. After a certain yeah. time, niggas was going to fight. So yeah. so we, you know, we, we, we started bookending our shit where we would have a certain time that was the peak time and we would play Lovers and Friends. Cause lovers and friends was the shit, and then you know, let everybody know, yo, you know, line up what you gonna line up so you can get out of here, and then from there, you know, we would start to, to bring it down, but but no, no crunk records, yeah. And I never forget, we, we're, we're trying to wrap up a party, and I play Step in the Name of Love, uh-huh. and these niggas started fighting, <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was so mad, and we were at Sigma Nu, I'll never forget this, and I jump up on top of the bar, and I'm like, y'all motherfuckers always fighting. I was so mad. I think yo. I remember I was that. Like, yo, everybody go home. We gotta close this down. I Police think I actually remember code. that. <laughs> We're not even gonna be able to throw parties no more at these frat houses. But y'all keep fighting. <laughs> so yeah, parties over. Help me, help me shut these parties down. Cause it was, it was like it, it, we got to a point where it was either everybody was fighting. Or, you know, they didn't fight and nobody wanted to go home and you turn yeah. on the lights and you try to get everybody to leave and they're all just sitting there looking at you and you're like, go home. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I got it. It's, a, it's definitely a good outro record for me. I love um, it. I love yeah. it. Uh, but uh, do you have anything else to add about this album? Just that, you know, this album to me is a damn near perfect album. Yeah, it, um, it really is. And I mean, from the samples that were chosen um, mm-hmm. to the the drums uh, to, like you said, like the way the way they flip the samples. Because in some of yeah. these some of these cases, right, like you know, "You Are My Starship" is is a fairly well known Norman Connors record, right? But then mm-hmm. there's certain records where they. You know, even the um the 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 shook ones, right? Like we didn't even talk about the fact that yeah. for years and years and years nobody knew who this what this sample was. Yeah. And like it took forever. I don't even remember how it came out, but someone finally found out about the Herbie Hancock and it was like, Oh, that's what this is. Like some of the ways they flip these samples, it's like, what would make you even think to do this? Isn't Shook Ones one of those beats where he said, I couldn't even make this again. Yes. Yeah. And actually, if you go back and you watch the, I think it's it's either Hip Hop Evolution or that other Netflix hip hop show. Um, Just Blaze goes to Havoc's house. And I think he has him make that beat. And like the beat that he, he makes is not that beat at yeah. all. <laughs> like, I don't think he could make it again if he wanted to. And you know, you talk about how he he, he almost threw the beat away, and you know, yeah, the whole I remember that. But, but the other thing about the that beat was he talked about how with the he tried to mimic the the sound of a pilot light turning on the click. You know that, right? No. So essentially, he said that um, he tried to. It, it, he used to say it was sampled, which I don't know if it, they really sampled it. But essentially, he said he, he sampled the pilot of when you turn on a gas stove. Yeah. The click. Yeah. So he said that he basically sampled that and tried to make a beat at the beginning. Yeah. Oh. And tried to make a beat around the sound of of you know a gas stove lighting in the hood. I can see that. That but, makes sense. But I yeah, can man, that. you know, I mean, he's somebody who says that he suffers from, if you want to call it suffering from synesthesia. And like the the production on this album is just so deep and does such a good job of canvassing what they're talking about that, you know, of everybody who says they suffer from synesthesia, I believe Havoc because of this album. 
I believe most. Uh, first of all, it's nothing that we suffer from. Um, I've talked about this before. Yeah. I have. Uh, I'm slightly synesthetic. Uh, I think is what it is. Synesthesia. I think is yeah. what it is. Well, and, I mean, uh, supposedly though, it's it's it it is a, a medically supposedly like an affliction, correct? Yeah, but it's not. I wouldn't call it something that you suffer from. It's just right. something that you have. Right. Um. And I have it. I have like a, a slight case of it. I've always had yeah. it because uh, I've o- essentially uh, to refresh our listeners. Essentially, it's like when in your mind you visualize you visualize um, letters and numbers and musical notes as colors. Right. Um, and these things blend. So since mm-hmm. I was a child, I've always visualized certain letters as colors. For example, A is is always red. And um, maybe it's because uh, when it, you like A is for apple and apples are red, maybe that's why. But like eyes have always been like white for me, and it's just it's just it's just weird thing. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so good at memorizing numbers mm-hmm. and like number combinations and things like that is because of that. Generally speaking, my memory is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like other other musicians, like someone like Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. couldn't describe things he like he could only describe things in colors hmm. you know what F- i mean like Pharrell he was trying to describe it he also yeah. has uh, synesthesia yeah like jimmy Hendrix was trying to describe when he was making um when he was recording either um axe or um uh axis or when he was recording um uh electric ladyland mm-hmm. i think he was he was having trouble with his bandmates and he was trying to like describe what he was what he was feeling and he was talking about all these colors and like look like we're we're musicians we're not painters <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah. um yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I feel what you're saying there so but yeah. havoc is one as well yeah for sure and, he, and okay. he's talked about it a lot and i i think you know me as a kid again you know we talk about how i was you know so drawn to this type of shit that i was I was reading everything I could get my hands on. I had every double XL, every source, whatever. And I remember reading, you know, Havoc kind of talking about, you know, production and how, you know, when he would make the beats, like, you know, he'd find a sample and then he needed to find like a snare that color matched the color of the sample and et cetera. And I remember just being, you know, when you're a kid, I mean, to me, it's almost like I'm reading about a superpower, right? Like I... Cause I, I don't I don't have this you know and and so yeah. I'm I'm closing my eyes trying to trying to see the color too like I don't see it you know what I'm saying so uh, yeah. you know I feel like it's, it was something that fascinated me as a kid. It's weird too. I I call mine slight only because first of all I don't think I have it as, as strongly as they do, but I mm-hmm. definitely do have a slight thing of it. But yeah, I mean, especially when I started to make my own beats, yeah. I would walk around and when I started to listen to music, I literally like visualized like the wave sounds and like colors and like beats is like pulses and things like that. Like I literally like, um, not all the time, but like if I want to, like if I'm Mm -hmm. daydreaming with the song, like Mm -hmm. that's how I'm visualizing the song. Like I'm literally visualizing all the, the track and, and, and pieces of music like playing together. Right. Um, that's something I do. And I didn't even realize it was a thing. And so mm-hmm. actually, uh, Panama, I think, blogged about it. The okay. first, like, he blogged about it. And when I read it, I was like, holy shit, I texted him. I was like, dude, that's a thing. I, I thought this was like, this is what everybody does. I didn't realize this was a thing. So there's so, a, the nerd album, Seeing Sounds, um, where okay. he actually talks about it. And like, the, 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 the whole intro is like him describing it and describing, like, in his mind when he discovered, you know, that he, that he had it and the whole nine. Yeah. So um, I think, especially around that time there was like this fascination with synesthesia after after pharrell said it i feel like was when it yeah. really got like mainstream and then every producer and every artist started saying that they all 
also had it, and they, that, they that pro- was when it, I was it just makes like, sense. "Y'all niggas is lying." No, somebody's it, I, lying. I think, I, it makes sense to me though. It makes sense. I get it. I totally yeah, get it. Yeah. So, and I think the reason why they they I think the reason why they all came out and started saying it is because they probably didn't realize it was a thing. Right, they probably right. just imagine, They probably just assumed this is what people does. Yeah. Like, real quick side note. Um, someone sent me a link that's uh, you have an internal dialogue, correct? Yeah. Like when you're just going about your day, like you're thinking to yourself and you're actually like having conversations with yourself, right? Probably sometimes, yeah. Yeah. You I know do that it unconsciously. People, yeah. You know there's people who don't? No. There are people who do not have an inner dialogue. I just found this out like a month ago. Fucking <laughs> blew my mind. I'm not kidding. I can send you the articles. How, how literally, do they, like how, how do they even know? Because like I yo, don't even know that I, I do it, but I know that I do, if that makes yeah. sense. No, like it's so, so, all right. So apparently the reason why this became a thing is because when you, when you have certain like, um, like certain authors, like self-help offers, and maybe not necessarily specifically self-help, but like that kind of ilk yeah. of things. And yeah. like people are like, oh, like listen to your voice in your head, this, that, and the other. Like mm-hmm. there were people who they always thought that voice in your head was like metaphorical and then they came to realize that no people actually have an inner monologue right and then we discovered that some people don't and the people like it fascinates me apparently like what it is like you wake up and you just have a feeling that you need to go do something but you don't actually think like oh i need to go to the bathroom like you just have Mm -hmm. a feeling that oh I have to go, but like you're not having this conversation with yourself. And I'm not saying that I have a conversation with myself, <laughs> telling myself I need to go to the bathroom. That's not the yeah. point. The point is, is like, as I'm going to the bathroom, I'm probably thinking about something mm. and the words are in English as I'm thinking about right. it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. they don't have these things. I it's read really, somewhere, yeah. I read somewhere that some people have, like, that that voice is a person that they know. Like I've seen things where people are like, "Oh, my inner voice is my mother." Like, do you, oh, have really? you have you heard this? Like, like nah, people's voices. It wouldn't surprise me though. Like people's voice is like a, a somebody else's voice that they know. After hearing that some people don't even have an inner monologue, mm-hmm. for you to tell me that the someone's inner voice is not their own voice yeah. <laughs> is like. Okay, I get it. Sure. Both are what like else? are hella mind blowing <laughs> to me cuz you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I guess we just assume and, and you know, you have synesthesia, I don't. So, right. I guess we just assume that like I, I, the way our brains work exactly. is how everybody's brain works. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But so anyway, anyway, super but yeah, super so just tangential. The, the the revelation of that is probably what what gets people excited like when they mm-hmm. find out that uh that like they have this thing mm-hmm. that other people have as well so it's like oh yeah i have that too you guys don't well let me tell you what it feels like yeah so yeah, yeah. no that's super dope All but right. yeah man so, uh love this album and it's 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 weird because it's like I, I can't say enough good things about this album and i think mm-hmm. maybe you know i i already you know kind of busted pa- pause on on the on the on the R.I.P. Prodigy episode, or again yeah. on the you murder know music. The murder music episode, because I've said so much great shit about this album that yeah. I almost don't even have anything else to say about it. But this album is amazing. If you haven't heard this album, go listen to it. If you haven't heard this album in a while, go back and listen to it. It's amazing. We talked about, um, I think on the Panama episode, we talked about like I don't know if you had five albums that you have to leave Earth with type of a deal, and I, uh-huh. and I think this is one of my five. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Also, go back and listen to our R.I.P. Prodigy episode, and go back yeah. and listen to our Murder Music. We made that a classic with uh, with Carlos. Carlos for was sure, a guest on sure. that. Shout out yeah. to Carlos. 
Uh, but I think that should wrap it up for the sophomore album for Mob Deep, the infamous. The Any infamous. other thoughts? Nah, nah, yo, check that out, and uh, you know, keep hitting us with the with mm-hmm. the like, comment, subscribe, yeah, follow. Please. We need more subscribers on our iTunes, and we need yeah. more comments and positive ratings. Yeah, please, iTunes. y'all. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and and if there's another format that we're not on that y'all want us to to get involved with, uh, I definitely holler at us and we'll we'll try to get it there so that y'all can get access. And if you're a new listener and and you like this, several things. One, go tell all your friends about the podcast. Facts. And the other thing too is go back and look at our list of episodes. One thing that I think is brilliant about what we do is that we're not really talking about current events sometimes we do but most of the time we're talking about things that happened 20 25 years ago so if you want to go back and listen to her like any of our episodes it's you might as well be listening to it for the first time it's not going to age because we're talking about something that happened back in the day so you know go back and, and get caught up Go to any specific episode you want and uh, and just listen. Yo, it's funny because we were talking about the whole Stormzy thing, and and we and you were saying, you know, do we have any followers in the UK? And there's actually uh-huh. like a good number of folks in the UK that listen to our podcast. So well, shout out to the, shout folks, out to in the, the folks in the UK. Shout out to the folks in the Virgin Islands that listen to our our, our podcast because we've been getting good engagement in those in those places. So if y'all can, man, you know, subscribe, follow all that, so that we can track all that and try to you know cater cater some of our content for y'all. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace. To all the killers and the hundred dollar billers. For real, because who ain't got no feelings. Feelings. Check it out now. I got you stuck off the realness We be the infamous, you heard of us Official Queensbridge murderers The mob comes equipped for warfare Beware of my crime family Who got enough shots to share for all those Who wanna profile and pose Rock you in your face, stab your brain with your nose bone You all alone in these streets, cousin Every man for himself in his land We be gunning and keep them shook crews running Like they supposed to They come around but they never come close to I can see it inside your face You're in the wrong place, cowards like you just get their whole body laced up with bullet holes and sucks. Speak the wrong words, man, and you will get touched. You could put your whole army against my team, and I guarantee you it'll be your very last time breathing. Your simple words just don't move me. You're minor, we major. You all up in the game and don't deserve to be a player. Don't make me have to call your name out. Your crew is featherweight. My gunshots will make you levitate. I'm only 19, but my mind is older. When the things get for real, my warm heart turns cold. Enough nigga deceased, another story is told. It ain't nothing real. And yo done sparked the Philly So I could get my mind off these yellow back niggas While they still alive, I don't know, go figure Meanwhile, back in Queens, the realness and foundation If I die, I couldn't choose a better location When the slugs penetrate, you feel a burning sensation Getting closer to God in a tight situation now Take these words home and think it through Or the next rhyme I write might be about you, Sunday show Cause ain't no such thing as halfway crooks Scared to death and scared to look, they shook Cause ain't no such thing as halfway crooks Scared to death and scared to look Living the life that of diamonds and guns There's numerous ways you can choose to earn funds Some get shot, locked down and turn nuns Cowardly hearts and straight up shook ones Shook ones Hey, the crooks, son He just shook ones